Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. But really, if this is your first time, I'm excited that you're here because we love having you. Um, if you don't know who I am, again, my name's RJ. I am 32 years old. I am Filipino, if you didn't know that. I'm married to Rebecca. I have two kids and a third one on its way. I love, yeah, I love Jesus. I love Survivor. I love CrossFit, and I love to eat. So if you love any of that stuff, we could be friends. So I'm excited that you're here, but welcome to church. And again, if this is your first time, second time, third time, or last time, I'm just kidding. I hope it's not. But if, if, if you are here, I want to just burst your bubble a little bit. Did you know that this beautiful home, this beautiful building is not necessarily the church? Did you know that we are the church? I want you to turn to someone and say, you are the church. Point to yourself and say, I am the church. All right. You know, coming to church isn't just a social gathering. Sometimes we feel that way or it's time for us to just feel the jolt of the Holy Ghost, you know. It's not only that, but it is um, a lot more. It's actually for us to learn how to be like Christ outside of service, outside of this building, you know. We're not only called to be like Christ here in this church because, to be honest, that doesn't really do much. It only, you know, it's, what, what does more is when we learn how to be Christ outside of the four walls of this building. So that's why I want you to understand maybe you're here and you're, you're learning how to follow Christ for the first time or you've been walking with him. But here's a reminder that we are actually the church. And we're supposed to be the church outside of the church. Does that make sense? And so um, God has called you to be the church. And here's another thing. Not just your pastors, not just your leaders, but you. Okay? Did you know that your leaders and your pastor's job isn't just to do the work of God and that's it? That's not, they're not the only ones that are supposed to do the work of God. But their job, our job is to equip you. It's to equip you, the church, that's me, say that's me, the church to do the work of the Lord. Let's read Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, just to kind of give you a little bit more of a, a picture of what it really means. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his, what? Work. Work. And build up the church, the body of Christ. Again, their responsibility is to equip God's people. The, your pastors, your leaders, the people who disciple you, their job isn't just to go do the work of the Lord. It's to equip you to do the work of the Lord. And so we need to understand we come to church. We come to this church not just to have a great time, even though I know we always have a great time. Not just to socialize or to encounter the power of God, but to be equipped to do something because you've been called. And, let, and we need to come with that intention to be equipped. Right now, let, just take a moment just to be like, I intend to learn something today. I intend to open my heart and to be equipped by God today. 
be ready to learn, be ready to, be, to grow, to be filled, to be empowered, and to do the work of the Lord. Let God equip you today. Matthew 28, 19. If you don't know what your true purpose in life is, this is where it's at. Therefore, go. Can you say go? And make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go to church. Therefore, go to church and socialize. Go to church and, and get touched by me. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is what you're called to do. Church, that's what the church is. That's what a Christian is, is to be the church and to go and make disciples. And you are anointed to do so. Maybe you feel underqualified or you're like, that's somebody else's job again. The church's job, the, the leaders and pastors are to equip you because you are able to by the power of God and by the power of the cross. You are anointed to do so. Let me declare this over you and declare it over yourself. Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you say that? The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives and to be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Not just me, not just Pastor Hunter and Liz, but you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. Man, do you understand how much power is in the spirit of the Lord? Because when the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is life. There is joy. He has anointed, as in he has given you the power. The anointing is he has filled you up with the power to go and the ability to go and bring the good news. He didn't say to bring them to church. However, of course, bring them to church. But he said to bring the good news. To bring this, what we're talking about, about Jesus. We're singing about Jesus and the cross and the love and the power that we're all declaring here. He says to bring this out there. He doesn't sing bring out there in here. However, that's part of it. But he said to go and make disciples. He said to bring, you're anointed to bring the good news. When he says to bring something, it's in your possession. You have something. You can't bring me a cup of water if you don't have a cup of water. But if you have a cell phone, which I'm pretty sure everybody does, and I say bring me your cell phone, you're like, I got that right here. I'm going to bring you something that I have. And God has given you the anointing. He's given you the good news to bring to other people. So today my goal isn't for you to leave here to leave this building after hearing something good, you know, it's to leave here equipped to do something good. The good news, okay? So today's sermon, the title of it is called Do the Work. Do the work. And sometimes we have a love-hate relationship with our work. Some people hate it more than love it, but it's okay. And we all have to work. We all have to make a living. We all have to live. We all have to take care of ourselves, our family, our people. But everyone is called to do the work. But that's not the kind of work I'm talking about. But the best way to understand what it means to do the work is to look at none other than Jesus Christ himself. When he was alive. In the Bible. In the time. Before he was crucified. There's a story about a Samaritan woman. Who in here has heard the story of the Samaritan woman in the well? Not in the well, but with the well. Help me. But, you know, maybe. But she was, Jesus in, in, encountered her 
at the well, a Samaritan woman. Let me give you a backstory before we go to the main scripture, so don't put that on the screen yet. Um, we're going to read from John 4, but let me tell you a little bit. Wait, I said don't put it on the screen. Ah, take it. Okay. Rewind, sorry though. I love you. No. <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of backstory. Pretend none of that that's happened. No, I'm just kidding. But, okay, Jesus was on his way leaving, um, going, going to Galilee, right? And he was leaving Judea. But the thing is, he has to cross through a place called Samaria. And that, it, 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 like, that he needed to cross through there to get to Galilee, okay? So they're, they're on this journey, this trek. And Jesus, along this road, on, on this road, he's like, man, I'm getting a little tired. You know, who, who, who normally follows him around everywhere? His disciples, right? So he's like, oh, man, I'm getting a little tired here. So I'm going to send you guys to that village ahead of me and get some food, right? I'm just summarizing. This isn't the translation of this story. So read it yourself. But the, the summarized version is like Jesus is tired. He sends him to the village. And, on his, and he finds this well to rest in, in this area, to just kind of be there. And he sees this woman, a Samaritan woman. Backstory, Jews despise Samaritans. Okay? So think of that person you despise. Just kidding. Don't look at them. But just Jews despise Samaritans. And this, not only that, but back then, women, Samaritan women, were pretty much on the low totem pole, you know, the, the lowest part of it. And Jesus, as a Jew, as a man, was interacting with this person that most people, if not all, know the culture that you do not talk to, to Samaritans. You do not talk to Samaritan women. You let them do their own thing, right? So he's over there, and he interacts with her. Long story short, he reads her mail. He knows everything that she's doing. She's not married to the person that she's with right now in her house. And she goes out telling other people. She's going to go out and tell other people, oh, my gosh, look what this person has read. My mail has aired my dirty laundry, and I, everyone knows, and they need to know him too, you know? But before she she leaves, and in a little distance away, the disciples are walking along, and they're like, oh, my gosh, who is he talking to? Is that a, and, and they had no, they didn't have the boldness to ask him, so they're all like, mur, 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 murmuring to themselves, saying, oh, my gosh, did you see what Jesus did? How dare he? I thought he taught us something else, you know? But, so they're walking along, and, and they're like, Jesus, you need to eat, because that is why they went to the village in the first place, to get food. And they're like, Jesus, here's some food that you told us to bring. And he's like, I'm fine. I got the stuff that I, I already got what I needed. You, I got the food that you don't even know about. That's what he says. I can imagine. They're like, so you just sent us, you said you were hungry. And I went to, oh, my gosh, I had to fight in Samaria. Get food. This fish stinks. You know? And so Jesus, he basically ate before they even came. And have you ever had that friend that, like, invites you to a restaurant and then they order before you and they get their food before you and you're over there and you're like, what the heck? You know? That's basically how they felt. It's like, I just did all this work, Lord. And he, what he says is, I have the nourishment that, that, that you know nothing about. And so now, hit it, Joe. Could put it on the screen. Here's the main scripture. Yeah. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and from finishing his work. 
You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. When you need nourishment, when you need the nutrition that you need in life, especially spiritual nutrition, God is faithful to give it to you. But here he is saying from finishing his work. And what does it mean by work? Getting the harvest is work. That's the work he's talking about. So the main thing, when I say do the work, it's saying go and get the harvest. Go and harvest what has been planted. Because I'm not making this up. It says the, the, the fruit that they harvest is people brought into eternal life. That it is by finishing his work that the fields are ready to go. That they are ripe. That it is full. So I have four points for you today regarding doing the work. And the first point is doing his work brings nourishment. All of us here need something, right? In other words, life. When you are nourished, you get life. When you nourish a plant with the things that they need, I know nothing about plants, so I'm just going to sound like I do. You water it, you get the life, photosynthesis, you know, and, and it grows. I'm sure that's how it works, right? So you get the nourishment, you know, that, that, that it needs, and it receives everything that it, it needs from the things that you give it. God will give you nourishment when you do his work. Oh, my gosh, work sometimes could be a taboo word when it comes to Christianity. We're like, oh, my gosh, you're telling me to work? I got to do something? Yes, you got to do something. (laughs) There is stuff to do. But in other words, it's a lie. First of all, Jesus, in in the story of the Samaritan woman, Jesus was tired. I'm not just making this up, okay? He said here in verse 6, we don't have it on the screen, so it's okay. But Jacob's well there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk. Because he had a destination to go to. He was going to Galilee, right? He had to go on this trek to be there. But it said, tired from the long walk. That's why he sent people to get him food. He wasn't just a hungry hippo, you know. He just wanted people to, he wanted his disciples to get the food that they needed for them and for him. But he had other plans. But he was tired. It's not by... Fulfilling our own desires that, f- that nourish us. And sometimes we do that as people, as Christians. What's my purpose? I got to do this. I want to be this big name. I want to go here and do all these things. But g- the nourishment comes from God's purpose. It comes from the, the purpose that God has given you. Why he died on the cross for you. You want to know your purpose? I said that earlier, and I'm going to say this verse throughout the whole thing. But Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go... 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go now. Everyone out. Go, go, you know. Go and make disciples. But here's the thing. I'm not disregarding the feeling of lacking something, needing something from God. There's always that season and there's always something in every season that we need from the Lord. When we are in that season of hardship, which is needing something from God, we tend to forget about others around us that need the nutrition that God could only give them. That you have. That you have. And the thing is our eyes start to drift. I'm saying this out of experience. Our eyes start to drift away from the true purpose and the call that God has done for us. And calling us to do for him too. The devil wants to take your eyes off of souls. We want to start focusing on the other things in our life that may start to take precedence in what we think is important. You know, we start to focus on the offense that has happened to us. We start to focus on the lack or the things that we need, the hurt that we've gone through, our struggles. We start to become critical of things around us, of people around us. Then we enter into this, I like to say, harvest hiatus. I'm just going to take a pause. And work on myself. I'm going to go under this rock. And do whatever I think means working on myself. That's a hiatus. You know, you, you separate yourself from the true calling that God has from you. My calling as a worship leader, as a pastor, whatever you want to call it, doesn't stop there. If it has nothing to do with the purpose that God has given us in Matthew 28, 19, what's the point? You know, like what's the point? I would be happy to give that up if, if, it's a, it's, if it's a trade-off. If I had to pick one or the other, which one would I have to do? I would do that. But the thing is, when God has called you a specific thing, it has to revolve around going and making disciples of all nations. It's not like, oh, this is, the perp- this is where we need to be. This is not where you need to be. You need to be out there, you know. This isn't where it is. The harvest is out there doing its thing. We got to do its thing with it, you know. So, The devil wants you to take your eyes off of that. So if today you feel like you're missing something, lacking inside, you're purposeless, the way you find that is doing the work. Ask yourself, when was the last time I actually went and harvested something? When was it? It's always about me. It's always about me. Me, 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 me. God, do this for me. Change me, change me. And he's saying, go, 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 go and make disciples of all nations and bring them. And I will give you the nourishment that you need. So doing his work brings nourishment. Can you remember that? If you need something from God, do the work. Just do the work. God's faithful. Number two, the field is full. It is so full, it is overflowing. It's to the brim and out the brim and going all over the place. It's a mess. The harvest is a mess out there, and we need people to clean it up and get it and bring it in. Working... In an actual field, just imagine this. Whether you've worked in the field, in the farm, whatever, anything in that kind of relation, is not easy. Again, not based off of experience because I don't really know anything about that. But 
from what I've heard and understood and researched and kind of been outside in the heat, working in an actual field isn't a piece of cake, you know? It's uncomfortable. It is hot. I'm pretty sure there's not this giant tent outside having you work in there, you know? You sweat, your hands start to hurt, your feet start to hurt, you start to question your life. If there's bugs, there's bugs, there's bugs, you know, all over the place. So it definitely is not convenient. It's not comfortable. The, harvest, the, the field, working the field is not easy, okay? But the harvest is ready, and we got to do it. The harvest is ready. The people are ready. Who are the people? Those around you. Look around you. Look at, look at the, not them. They're not the people, okay? The people are out there actually, okay? I just want you to see who's around here that you do not need to reach people around here, okay? You need to go out there and get the harvest over there. The people next to you right here, they're not the harvest. Maybe some of them are, but don't, don't point fingers, okay? But some of, you know, you, people, everyone needs God, but this isn't the place to look. The harvest is out there. Just like you don't harvest your own produce in a grocery store. I don't know about you. Have you ever dug up a zucchini at the aisle five or something? It's like, here it is. I harvested my produce. No, you go to the grocery store because it is already harvested. It's already reaped and it's for you. That's the same thing pretty much. In the con- I'm just trying to give you an idea of what church is like. You don't need to reap people here. They're here. God's going to do it. We're going to connect with them. But there are people out there who would never step foot into this building. But they need to be harvested. There are people around you that need to be harvested. The harvest is at your workplace. It's at your gym, your neighborhood, your school, your kids' activities. It's at the park. It's everywhere. Everywhere. That is your field. Here's a question slash challenge for you. Do you have, I'm challenging those who claim yourself as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus. And I'm speaking to myself first and foremost. But do you have more than five unsaved people's contact in your phone right now? Or are they all your Christian friends? Look, here's the thing. Like, how are we going to connect with them if we don't even get their contact? If we don't even, like, connect with them? Once you're, once you're in my contacts, it's like, oh, man, we're, we're another level, you know? That's how it feels. It's like you're in my phone, and I get to text you if I want to or ignore you if I want to. Just kidding. But do you have more than five unsaved people in your contacts? If not, it's not to point fingers. It's not to make you feel bad, but for you to wake up and just be like, hey, I need to be reaching people. I need to surround myself to the people that actually need what I have. Yes, we need you, we need each other in here, the body of Christ. But the reason why we're here together is to be equipped to go and do the work of the Lord. And the work are the souls. People at your work need you. People at your school need you. You were divinely picked by God to work there. I don't know much more details than that as in why he really wanted you to work there. But I do know one thing, that he's called you to reach people there. To be the light where it's super dark. To bring the truth where lies abound. You know? 
So don't look at your work, don't look at your school, your class, your neighborhood, the people around you as just a burden. Don't look at it as, oh, I'm so eager to get out of work today so I could just go home and do all this stuff. You know what? It's okay. We all feel that. You know, we all feel tired of work, but if we shift our perspective a little bit to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not just going to work, I'm going to the harvest. I'm going to the field. And I'm going to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit may be saying to me today that this person needs this that I have. It isn't an inconvenience. It's a soul. The Samaritan woman wasn't an inconvenience to Jesus. She was a soul to him to reach. Where, here's the thing, that everybody will probably judge him for talking to a Samaritan woman. Other people, other Christians may judge you for talking to some people. Some people who aren't Christian may judge you for talking to certain people. Who cares? You know? You've probably heard this story before, but, like, I'm very intentional with the relationship that I'm building with my barber, who is a lesbian married to a woman. Okay? I am not scared of that. But I know that she needs Jesus as much as I do. So there is nothing to be afraid of what other people may think because what you're doing is the work of the Lord. Okay? But to do the harvest requires strength. Mm, like working, working in the field, it, it ain't no joke. Again, with no, no correlation, I don't really know. But I'm pretty sure it takes a lot of strength, you know. To do the harvest is hard. To work the field is hard. But here's the thing. When I thought of this... I thought of what God represents himself as. There's, he, in the Bible, he says he, is, there's a, he, he basically relates himself to an ox. There's other things that he relates himself to. But he, he, it, those are one of the four faces, right, is the ox. And what that represents is strength and power. And I found this scripture in Proverbs 14.4. It says this, without oxen, a stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. So we need to be strong in the presence of God. The ox represents doing the work. Oxen are plowers. Oxen are strong. And they are yoked. So when we are yoked to Jesus... We have the strength that we need to do this. First Chronicle 28.20, which this scripture is the one that kind of inspired this, this sermon for me. But it says, be strong and courageous. We've heard that before, right? In many areas in the Bible. But this one says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Because he knows the work needs strength and courage. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. What does that mean? He's going to take care of you. The temple. We are the temple, the tabernacle on which God rests inside of us. God will see to it that that you're finished. But we need to be strong and courageous to do the work of the Lord. God, there is nothing you can do without God to change your life. 
So why not do the thing you can do, which is to go into the harvest? That's my longest point, I promise. That's the field is full. Number three, people saved are the fruit. And this is lasting fruit. Fruit that lasts forever. Why? Because it says here in verse 36 of John 4, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What kind of fruit do we want to see? People brought to eternal life. That's the fruit we want. That's the fruit God wants and God is going to look at. That is lasting fruit. Again, I said this earlier, but the win for people that you're reaching isn't for them to come to church. That is a great thing, but that's not the main win, the main goal. But it's for them to receive eternal life through an encounter with the living God. And that happens through you. I want to tell you something. There are people at your work that I may never see, that Hunter and Liz may never see, that your leader may never see. But guess who sees them besides God? You. You are there for it. Oh, I work remote. I don't know what else to do. Okay, like, you go to the grocery store. Oh, I do Instacart. Okay, you drink coffee, right? I'm allergic. I don't know. Figure it out. What do you do in life? You know, wherever you go, whatever you do, just do it, you know? And if you keep to yourself, like, come on. Like, you come here at least. Like, go with someone somewhere, you know? You eat out. You do all these things. Something. We all do. I don't know. I'm not here to tell you what to do because I don't know your life. But you know your life. You know where you go. And stop looking at yourself. It's time to start going to these places and seeing the harvest ready and filled, ready to be reaped, okay? And again, I said this earlier, but if, if what I do at church isn't for people saved, then what's the point? I want to see people reached. I want to see people that I interact with Reach. And, and so think about that place real quick. Think of the place that you are in, like you're in, you know. Like, for example, I even said earlier, like, I, I, I go to a CrossFit gym, and that place is always filled with people, and I've made it my goal for that to be my field, you know. I, there's, there's so many options to do class and, classes, and I chose a specific class because there's a specific guy that I want to reach. And I'm going there every time I, I have to go to CrossFit. And I've made opportunity, yes, I have his contact in my phone, just so you know, okay? An unsaved person in my phone. I am being intentional with where I'm at. I'm not just doing CrossFit. I could just do CrossFit for the sake of my health, and that's it. And be like, okay, bye, I'm out. But I've seen it more as a field now than just for me. However, it is a benefit. It's great. I love that. But the fact that I could see the purpose and the souls that are there that God is allowing me to interact with, I want to take complete serious of that task of reaching people there. Where do you go? What do you do? Who do you see every day? Maybe you're doing this already. Keep doing it. And do it more. And be strengthened by God. Be nourished by the Lord. Don't stop now. Don't enter into a harvest hiatus. But let him continue to minister to you as you do his work. 
And don't be confused with position or title with what the real purpose is. Don't let your goals in life be the main thing and take precedence of going and make disciples. God has given you dreams and desires, not just for you, but to fulfill his purpose. Some of you have dreams to start businesses, to have dreams to have a family, to have dreams to go places. But they're not just dreams to have a grand old time. It's dreams for his cause. Find out what that is and be faithful by doing the work of God. Number four and last point, joy is the result. Man, we live in a, in a world that depression is like on people's bios now, you know, on social media saying, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm depressed, you know. Like people identify as that. And what they need is true joy from the Lord. But when you, maybe you're here and facing depression, I want to talk to you, those who are facing depression right now, anxiety and fear. God's joy is all that you're ever going to need. God's presence is all that you're going to ever need. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. And his grace is enough for you. That when you turn your eyes away from yourself and give him your whole heart and your whole life and you do what he's calling you to do, God is faithful enough to give you the joy that you need. To give you the strength and the love that you need. Because it says here, what joy awaits both the planter and the harvest. What joy. Psalm 126.5, it says, those who plant in tears will harvest shouts of joy. God is going to give you joy. But get to know the one that's the joy giver. And see his heart for you. And his heart for other people. And why you still have breath on this earth. It's not for yourself, but it's for his purpose and for his glory. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.